Hello, this is Black Country Blokes chewing the fat. Listen, listen, listen. I've been hearing a lot lately about men don't talk, but in my experience, men do talk, just people aren't listening. So it's going to be me and a group of blokes discussing our struggles and victories through life. Warning, there may be some bad language, so apologies to all the moms, especially on my own. Let's get going. Listen, listen, listen. I've been the artist, the Black Country Blokes, Tune the Fat, here with me, Kev Dylan, Lee Cabman, and our guest today is Mike Wood, who's our local MP. So, Mike, thank you ever so much for coming on. Well, thank you. Thanks so much, Kev. It's been great to finally be able to get here and uh, and see some of the uh, the fantastic work you do in the in the community. Well, as we all know, we're here. I mean, men's mental health, but mental health doesn't really have a gender. And uh, I don't know if you've seen recently, we've been doing the videos. Mental health doesn't care if, and it doesn't care if you're black, white, brown, woman, gay. It affects us all. It's like a cancer that can affect us. Whether you're, it's like a cancer. I'm a triathlete. I've never smoked, never drank, and then cancer gets you. And unfortunately, that is mental health. And I'm so happy and privileged, I'm willing to have Mike here today. Definitely. I think you're, you're right there, Kev. You know, it doesn't matter which side of the group you're on with mental health, whether you're conservative, Labour, anyone can suffer it. So it's very important that we get people of all backgrounds to come in and talk about it and their experience. And, and so often it, it can be people who, people looking from the outside, from a distance, will imagine they've got everything going for them. Other times there will be people who look as though they're struggling but in both cases you know you don't know what's going on inside people's head until you have those conversations do you well whether you're living in a 20 bedroom mansion or whether in a cardboard box problems are problems and that's i mean because like uh, i'm a mental health first aid and we've been doing this for two years and we started this before mm-hmm. the pandemic and as we're aware and we were saying off camera mental health often isn't having the same shape as physical health and i think it's not perfect in this country how we're treating it. And I'm going to try and like say some stuff. Like We're not here to say it's the Tories, the Labour, whoever. But we've got to work together as volunteers to MPs what we can do to make it better. And I think like we had Glenn on the other week who was a nurse at Russell's Hall. And he was saying there isn't enough mental health first aiders in the NHS. And I honestly believe in the next however many years, this year, five years, ten years, we're going to have a massive insurgency of PTSD within the NHS. We need more first aiders to look after our heroes. What do you think we can do? Do we think, like with the police, never mind the Joey on the street, the men uh, in, the, in the professions, what can we do, do you think, to make it better? Well, I think it has to be about um, early identification, diagnosis and intervention, doesn't it? In that, I think for a lot of people, when they think about um, about mental health, they, they, they think very much, as we were saying, about the really the, the acute end of, uh, of of mental health. They, you know, they may think about um, in uh, the so, so secure interview. They may, yeah, you're right. They, it might be one floor of the cookies nest. Yes. It might be you know, bushy fields. Whereas, it doesn't, I mean, no one only thinks about physical health in mm-hmm. terms of um, in terms of accidents and emergency. Most people understand that there is so much. Uh, before that, we need to really focus on on mental wellness rather than just thinking about when people are clearly already very, very unwell uh, and trying to tackle it at that point. If we can help people to stay well mentally as well as physically, then 
it's, it's got so many different benefits, not only our health level, on social level, on economic, on crime, on all of the different uh, different issues, obviously, in terms of family, uh, in, in terms of uh, keeping families together. I mean, all of these issues, feed you know, they, they feed into poor mental health. And then, of course, when people's mental health is suffering, it also affects all these other parts of their lives yeah. as well. Because I've seen it with people within the bushy fields of the world. And it's horrifying when I actually see, when you've been there myself with friends, and it's very, let's drug them, let's pretend the problem isn't there. And I won't mention the young man's name, but he he's 17, and because he's in that gap of being a child and a man, so he went to bushy fields, and he was kept basically in solitary confinement. And when you've got problems in your head, an overworking head, yeah. and then you're left in a room to be without head, in your head, you're tortured. That's the worst thing we can do in prison. And it's like if I rip my bicep now, and everyone could understand the rip bicep, and then someone said, well, lift heavyweights, curling it. It's absurd. Mm. So we need to find a better way of treating these people, more talking therapies, uh, instead of just drugging and locking them away. Yeah, I mean, I think I think talk, talking therapies and that kind of non-pharmaceutical yeah. intervention is absolutely where we need to be moving more of the NHS's resources into how we help people to uh, uh, to stay well, that you can't just do it with, as you say, whether it's um, uppers, downers or whatever. Uh, you, you, you can't expect to tackle these issues by just, by just tackling the symptoms rather than focusing on some of the issues that are really helping to, or helping to trigger so many of those episodes and obviously try to move people into that poor state of mental health into everyone has their good days and their bad days but making sure that people have obviously got the support around them that they know that they also have the skills to be able to to handle some of those those bad days and uh, and then when the um the more acute instance do still happen we obviously still need to make sure that we've got people and services around to uh, to help support there as well i think you're, you're definitely right but um we've got to find our own medicine so some people actually uh using those the, the drugs are going to help some people but other people it will be the talking therapies and you kind of need to you don't need to negate one to do the other yeah. you bring them both no, into play I, and find out what's working for the individual person completely i mean when, when people are are very unwell you do you do need to treat the symptoms as well before you like can actually help people get better right? yeah. I mean, you, you um if people are in severe pain you need to make sure they've got the painkillers as well as yeah. tackle the infection or the disease uh, and, and similarly obviously with, with, with mental health there will be times so you, you just can't function without yeah. being able to have what might need uh, uh, might need medicine to actually tackle that immediate symptom but the, I think the important point is that can't be the it can't the, be the, the end, end point. point. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that has to be what you do so that you can then move on to all the other work that needs to be done. Yeah, Because, I mean, within the black country, we've got bushy fields. Is there any plans with all these little fires happening now? And we're, we're aware these fires are going to catch up with each other and it's going to explode. Are there plans to better bushy fields? Maybe make it bigger? Because when, when uh, what was the hospital we made in um, Birmingham, the NEC? Um, oh, the nightingale. 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 So I know the pandemic was 
you know, and we did what we thought, but the floor was laid, it was ripped up, it was laid, it was ripped up, but then everything was done, but nothing has been put in place. Because how many people are saying that aren't the beds? So what mm. can we do to get more beds in there? And not only beds, more nurses, doctors, and treat our most vulnerable people better. Yeah, I mean, obviously, beds in uh, acute institutions in the black country is important. We need to make sure that there is the capacity there. But I think also where we need to be looking at is making sure that all parts of the health service are properly uh, properly equipped. They have the right skills, the right understanding, the right training um, to, to, to be... Um, looking at uh, mental health in the same way as they obviously are with physical health. We need GPs to have the proper understanding yes. so that this isn't left till people go to bushy fields. That, you know, and we obviously see, uh, as members of parliament, you know, get it at uh, surgeries, often people might be coming to me with a, a housing issue or a, ben a benefits issue, a well uh, employment issue. And actually, you know, quite early on in the discussion, comes clear that there are broader issues than the immediate one they're presenting with. And it's, it's the same with GPs. It's also the same, of course, in our schools and colleges and, and workplaces. We need people, particularly those trained professionals, to, um, to have the skills to be able to spot, okay, there's something else going on here. And this is how, firstly, how we can help, but also, of course, then being able to um, you know, what we call signposting, being able to tell people where else they can get the support that they need, where it's available. That's right. I think we, we've had a couple of incidences in the last few weeks, me and Kev, where we've, um, I won't go into details of personal people, but they've used um, A&E because they had a severe mental health crisis. They've gone to A&E, they've been waiting around for hours. 72 they've, hours, one of them. Yeah. By the time they'd seen someone, they said basically can't do anything go away come back tomorrow um they went back the next day and again they waited and and they they went in and by the time they saw a doctor at that point he basically gave a leaflet and said read this he's got a few details on the bottom um and go home and search his website and i think it's just about re-educating the doctors to actually that's probably not the right way of dealing with that situation you know we we can all go on the website and and search these already um, and he kind of felt like when he come out, it was already predetermined what that doctor was going to do because he walked out with the leaflet and basically give it him, you know. Um, and it was on the advice of Bushy Fields for him to go to A and E. So maybe there's a mix up in communication from there to there, and a, a better understanding with mental health with other doctors that needs to be brought through. And this is not a dig at you know this is Russell. This is not a dig at Russell's all at mm, all. It just but if we don't speak about these things. They won't get corrected. Yeah, and, and as, you, as you say, Holly, uh, it's about making sure that there is the right place for these people to begin supporting. Mm -hmm. And until two or three years ago, actually, a large number of people who were having uh, severe mental health episodes, um, many of them were being taken to to police cells That's as being yeah. A, yeah. a safe place under legislation. Obviously, the laws changed now, so yeah. strong presumption that. Really, you need a medical setting, not yeah, a yeah. criminal justice setting to be helping those people. It's still making sure that there is the place and that when you get there, not only is the space, but there are people there who obviously know what, what you're going through, yeah. what support you need and how 
then obviously to be able to and put it in place. I'll put it in, sorry, Kev, I'll put it on my, my youngest daughter is severely disabled and she has a really rare condition. So I don't expect to walk into um, an A&E setting and expect them to know about that condition because it's, it's, it's really, it's really quite a rare condition and doctors cannot know everything um, medically in the world, you know, it just wouldn't be possible. Um, so you kind of, you, you understand, but I think with the mental health, it's got to start shifting now to actually every doctor, nurse that's in there has some kind of mental health training background. So when they're recognising these things, they can pinpoint mm. them into a direction of someone who's a specialist within there. Yeah, completely. And I mean, this is something I've spoken about in Parliament, that it is now part of the core medical training. If you're training to be a doctor, there is now an increasing uh, amount of mental health content to that but of course it's making sure that um, continuing professional development that people who may have been GPs for 20-30 years they may know almost everything there is to know about a lot of the physical ailments yeah. that people typically go to their GPs with it's making sure that they're still getting the training they recognize both the importance of uh, of early mental health support but also how it can then obviously be provided because you know, we, we can't have it just being hot luck as to whether you've, if you've got a relatively young, yeah. relatively newly qualified <laughs> GP, then you probably get someone who's been trained in this. If you've got someone yeah. who's been a GP for 30 years, maybe a fantastic GP in every other regard, yeah. we can't have them Absolutely. not being able to provide the same kind of service. And it shows in my own experience when I, when I hit rock bottom and went to the doctors, straight away uh, he recognised that he wasn't experienced enough so he put me in touch with a mental health nurse. You were lucky though, weren't you? Because how many other people haven't been lucky? Yeah, well that's right Kev, that's right but that's the ongoing training isn't it? That's yeah. where they have got to make sure that everyone is up to that point and it, there's nothing to be ashamed of that he didn't have the the knowledge to, to help me It's yeah. the, but he did have the foresight to go, well, you know, I'm not qualified in this but this person is so I'm going to move you in that direction. Mm. Because I, even like someone nailed it on the the other day, when you phone up your GP, what you're about, I'm depressed, I'm anxiety. The GP will phone you back. They should then go, well, why are you waiting? Here's a crisis number in case it gets severe. Or here's a Samaritans, here's it, just in case you need to talk. You know, And having those gateways, because sometimes I'm suicidal, well, can you wait for a week on Monday? If you could buy that stage, it's taking me bottle to come and ask for help. And then when you're saying, I'll get around to it, that poor soul sees no other option to take his life. Yeah, I mean, you, you wouldn't say if someone phoned up saying, I've got sharp pains across my chest, yeah. no feeling in one arm, can you call back next week? Yeah. Um, and, and, and we need to obviously take mental health as seriously and making sure that where there is clearly um, need for urgent, urgent okay. care, that that is provided on mental health um, for, for mental health in the same way as we rightly expect accidents and emergency to be there if you've got a serious physical health. And our police have got to stop. I'm not brushing all the police from my very good friends at police, so I'm not saying anything. But we can't treat poorly people as criminals. And I think some the rough house thing of someone's having an episode, he is not being a criminal. He or she aren't well. And that we need more better, like in the boxing world, we have to be safeguarded. We all need to do a physical first aid. If my nose is up on me here, what have I got a broke nose? If my knuckles down here, we've got to go to our knee. But we need a grassroots sports, teachers. We need more mental health first aiders because with mental health, you don't spot the broke mm. nose. You can walk past 10 people and the last person go, come here, Mike. We need to get you some help. 
we need this on the ground. So if we could do our bit, as a first aider, if you get hit by a car, I haven't got to save your life. I've just got to keep you alive until the professional comes. And that's what we've got to do with mental first aid. Do you agree? Yeah, and I think you know, West Midlands Police have, in some areas, done some really good work on this. I mean, I'm um, critical of uh, police at times. My dad was West Midlands Police for nearly 30 years, but I think actually there been some really good initiatives, particularly their mental health triaging, mm. where they've sent out, obviously, the psychiatric yeah. nurses as part, alongside the paramedics and alongside the police, where they're responding to someone, where they think there is likely to be a, a, a serious mental health consideration. But, of course, it's been able to recognise that early on, that that's not... You know, if, if the call goes out on a Friday night um, and... It's disorder in the around the high yes. street. They're not sending out a, a, a psychiatric uh, team because the the assumption is it's someone's probably had a couple too many drinks. drinks yeah. um, so it's making sure that again that the understanding, the training runs through the service, so yeah. that uh, so that when people get there, they actually recognise the circumstances aren't necessarily yeah. what they imagined when they yeah. when, when they got the. Uh, uh, got the call through the through the switchboard, and that where that care and support is needed, that actually people are able to recognise that and to respond appropriately. I mean, we've said, look, I mean, this is once it's already broken, it's extremely difficult to fix it. So, what we would like to do, and we were talking off camera earlier, if we can get this at primary school level. So, why is Kevin? aggressive wisely showing mm. and we can get to the bottom of the cause early and teach people how to switch that trigger off or get the breathing exercises and use it as a form of p not p but you know you know what i'm trying to say self-awareness mm. and have each other there to go me and lee are in the same class lee i think we need to go and see dr D you know what i mean teach each other more empathy mm and teach people the skills at early doors so we have a better chance of bringing into adult world. Yeah, and my wife's primary, primary school uh, teacher, um, it's her occupation, and so, you know, I mean, she's obviously come back and described a number of instances like that with the various children she's taught over the years. And it's not a, about making excuses for poor behaviour, it's, it's about obviously understanding this, you know, there are times when there are, uh, there are mental health considerations, and if all you're doing is sending someone out of a out of a classroom, actually you're not yeah. you're not resolving the issue. You're just uh, well, at best, bottling it up. Yeah. If not, you know, just just making it worse. I think we've also got to recognise how far it's come on, especially since I I was at school at primary school level. It's come on leaps and bounds since that point. Uh, I know my my own son over over the COVID period while he was off, he was having welfare checks with his teachers who were phoning up and make sure he was okay. And it wasn't about schoolwork. It was about whether he was okay. And also they did things, um, wellbeing Wednesday, where he got half of Wednesday where he didn't have any schoolwork and he could do what he liked. Um, you know, things along that line that do, do help. And you've got to recognize that actually we are going in that right direction. Um, I think me and Kev would like it to speed up because of the crisis come. Well, I think everyone would like that to go quicker um, just because of the crisis that potentially we could be stopping in years to come. I, I also think, like, at the moment, once again, I won't use his name because he's 17. I think I mentioned him earlier. Because he's 17, coming 18, he falls into that yeah. void 
And unfortunately, his parents were telling me, it's not just one child or one person. It's these people who fall through the cracks. And that, that will always happen. But it's about making that number as small as we can. Yeah, and, and, and this is a, a big issue. And it's not just around mental health, but mental yeah. health is a particular issue. I mean, the division between children services and adult services, when everything was reorganised, whenever it was, 15 years or so ago to try and bring all of the children's services uh, together for under 18s and then everything else was adult services over 18s it solved you know it solved uh, some issues you know linking in you know, education and schools with social service and like it, it has left this yeah well it, it, in some ways it's you know this this big step but often as you say it becomes it becomes this gap where between mid-teens and really mid-twenties people aren't being catered for in the way they need and say you see it in mental health see it in social services see we look after children see with a lot of education skills absolutely um uh that Adult adult services, you know, we've got some really dedicated and hardworking people in uh, yes. uh, council and other institutions on this, but the uh, the needs of someone who's 19, 20, 21, it's very different to what obviously takes up a lot of the time and for that matter, the resources of that directorate, which tends to be people at a rather older age group. And so it's making sure that that transition um, is much smoother. I mean, I do quite a lot of work on autism and learning disabilities, and we see this particularly around autism that people may be getting the support through their through their schools and possibly an FE college as they're coming through you know, secondary school, maybe sixteen to nineteen, but just at the point where they probably need the most support as they're moving into independent life and going into the workforce. Actually, that's the point where the support is probably the patchiest. But if we use mental health and autism, because that's a perfect balance, because as you know, with autism, there's a massive spectrum, isn't there? There's the thing, if you're lucky enough, someone has caught it and someone's Mm -hmm. gone, you're very, very low. And then there's very, and that's the same mental health, isn't it? And I think sometimes if you're blessed, you have caught it at that. And some people I've met in there, 50s and 60s, it was never picked up. Mm. And they, they've just been a bit different. Whereas other people, they can't live in a world and it's so much more noticeable. And we've got to, once again, being bad to it, we've got to treat them the same. We've got to learn how to make it better. And, you know, if you are looking up and you've had that great teacher, that great uh, uh, doctor who spotted it, but we've we've got to do more, haven't we? Mm. We've got to do more. And hopefully work with wonderful people like yourself who are going to try and make a difference because this is going to be remembered. And we've even got to remember us, we failed or we did our best not to fail. We've done our best. And hopefully with people like you on side, we are going to start making those differences. It's a massive, massive challenge. People of all ages and you're absolutely right what you say about the... um, the similarities with conditions like autism in terms of well, people call a spectrum in some ways even talking about a spectrum is a bit misleading and the yeah. spectrum suggests that you go from say 
not very autistic to very autistic, yeah. whereas of course it's three, four, it's three, four dimensions yeah. of different features, yeah. different things. Yeah. Some people will find some things easier. We'll be able to cope with some things better than others. And Same with mental health. With, <laughs> yeah. with, with mental health, you don't just go from okay, one person's got a little bit of mental illness, and yes. this person's got lots of mental yeah. illness. There are so many different things that are in there, and they're ever, ever changing for each person. Completely, there's one um, pill. We fixed it, you yeah. know what I mean. But unfortunately, but as we were saying, we've got to do. We've got to be, because I say, we, it's up to us now, and it is going to be difficult. But everything that's worth doing is difficult. If it was easy, there wouldn't be a problem. If it was easy, we'd all be world champions. Mm. We've got to fight the fight now, so our children have got a mm. better world. And it's up. It's up to all of us, Kev, isn't it? There's no. There's not no single person. Once again, not red, not blue, yeah. not green. We've got to do this together. Yeah. And obviously being able to talk about it is yep. um, it's half the battle and often one of the most difficult bits of the battle in that, I mean, for, for a lot of us, actually, even when we know people very close to us are, are struggling, actually being able to have that conversation, I mean, it can feel a bit awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we obviously see now all these um, uh, all these awareness campaigns about you know asking how people are. That I mean, that's not always as e- easy to do, to do to to take that first step. It can make such a massive difference. I've said it on here before, Mike. I've been to the doctors. I speak to God knows how many people on a mm. podcast, but I still find it difficult talking to my wife about it, yeah. which is absolutely crazy, really, when you think about it, you know how many people we we are actually reaching and talk, when I talk about my mental health. And we, we often say it doesn't it doesn't actually matter who you're talking to about it. You can talk to anyone about it, whether it be Samaritans, your best friend, it, you, it doesn't really matter as long as you are talking to people and letting go of that baggage that you're carrying. But it shows intimacy. What's the two biggest killers for us blokes? Suicide and prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. But to get them both checked takes extreme intimacy. What We both know we get uh, prostate. <laughs> but to allow someone to see it as our most vulnerable is the same about me opening up saying I'm struggling here. It shows so much intimacy. But if we soon as we get sooner we can get it checked, more chance we've got to survive in it. But it takes that intimacy, it takes that trust, and more so it takes courage to go and have that test. And then what it also takes is courage to get your chemo or courage to get your help from mental health. It's not weakness, it's courage, guys. And it's not just about surviving, is it? It's about living happier. Kid. Happier. Yeah, the, yeah. You know, no no one really wants to survive life. You want you want to thrive and you want to be <laughs> yeah. happy through it. Yeah. So it's it's about that as well. But Mike, I'm gonna have to go because I've got a special needs score coming down. Uh, and it, it's been from the bottom of my heart. Thank you ever so much for coming on speaking as honestly as you can. No, thank you so much for uh, making the time to uh, to meet with uh, meet with me and talk about it, say the work you're doing and obviously it was fantastic to see some of the work you're doing within the club and obviously more broadly also on mental health support recognized with the uh, uh with the hometown heroes thank you very uh, much award i mean i chair the uh, uh the cross-party group in parliament that's leading on the commonwealth games and i'm talking to the commonwealth games organizers i know you know how impressed they were with the quality of you. The, the you know the people who were nominated and particularly obviously the people like yourselves the winners and the work that's being done uh in the communities and make, making a massive difference and 
really just changing people's lives. Well, thank you. And what we always do, and just because you're an MP, you're not going to get out of this, <laughs> we always like to get our guests to say a quote or a saying that's helped them get through their life. And you're doing what every other guest is doing, going, you could have warned me, but I don't. Yeah. <laughs> MP or anyone, I do this to everyone, no bias. Um, Nothing like being put on yeah, the spot. Yeah, I do it to everyone, so. <laughs> I know. I, I wish I'd had the uh, foresight to have actually given this. I don't do it to anyone. Hand. Everyone's had this. <laughs> Just anything, a simple yeah. key. You know, it's helped you or something. If you had to tell your young self or anyone something. There's a poem by an American poet, and I did actually quote it in, I said, Parliament a month or two back. Um, and I'm very much paraphrasing here, and I've never been one who can remember poetry. But uh, the long and the sh short, it was... Um, it, it's about looking... Uh, about the impossible. And... The, and um, the thing that couldn't be done. He took off his coat, got right to it, uh, and found the thing they told him couldn't be done. He'd only gone and done it. Um, and I think, I mean, that's, there's, there's always people telling you, uh, and, and I don't think this is just a politics thing. I think that, you know, this is daily life. You see it in schools about what you can't, uh, we can't get through where where the the limits are, and I think that's talk, talking to people in the community. That, I mean, that, I think that's one of the big pressures on people's mental health. Obviously, both in on, on both sides is things that either people should be doing or people things that people feel they they just can't possibly get through, uh, and actually having that. The, the confidence, the drive, but also knowing that, yeah, you're not going to do it first time, that you're not going to win every fight unless yeah. you're something quite remarkable. Yeah. Um, but actually, ju just having that purpose that we're talking about earlier to be able to go out, working out what it is that uh, that you want to be achieving in your own life, how, what you can be doing with other people. And actually, as I say, take off your coat and get to it. And the thing that people might have told you couldn't be done, you know, sooner or later you will do it. Well, thank you once again. So, guys, until we see each other next time, take care of yourselves and each other. To our bit. Listen, listen, listen. And that's a wrap for another show. But if there are any comments or messages that you'd like us to read out for our next podcast, please be in touch. There are also lots of different organisations at the bottom of this page and hopefully they can help you or someone you care about. Please share this to spread the word. Until we talk next time, ta-ra-ra-bit. Listen, listen, listen.